This is Real on Reels, Episode 3, The City of Lost Children, A Steampunk Fairy Tale. Hello friends and welcome to another episode of Real on Reels. I'm Jeremiah. And I'm Rob. And today we'll be discussing a 1995 French film called The City of Lost Children. Or La Cité des... Les Enfants Agadabon Abagadon. <laughs> I, I was going to try to do the French version and then I, uh, I lost it because I wasn't looking at it. So, it's right. uh, So, it's actually <laughs> la, la, Cité des Enf- la Cité des Enfants Perdus. More like Des Enfants Perdus. No, it's Des Enfants. When there's an S, <laughs> there's an S before I, an E noun... In French, you go ze, so des enfants. You're just making that up, aren't you? No, I I actually know. Oh, that. okay. <laughs> All right, we'll go with that then. Uh, the point is, uh, the movie yeah, is anyway. called <laughs> "The City of Lost Children" for us English speakers, which is probably all of you. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, it stars Ron Perlman. Yeah. Who is actually the only American on the cast? Yeah, and he speaks French in this. Yeah, he, he speaks all his lines in French, even though he didn't know French. So that's impressive. Yeah. Um, before we get into that, uh, I just wanted to say thanks to everybody who's liked and shared and commented and given feedback. And, yes, thank uh, you. People who've, uh, all you people who've listened to the podcast, thank you very much. Hey, um, thanks. And we want to hear from you. So uh, let us know. Um, you know, which podcatchers you prefer. We're curious about that. Um, and which, which ones you're using, which, uh, what kind of segments you like, um, suggestions for films, whatever. Yeah. But yes, thank you to all of our listener. Okay. (laughs) So let's talk about this movie. Um, well, we should talk first. We should tease the fact that at the end of this, we're going to play a new game. Oh um, yeah. Called Bridges and we'll we'll let you we'll, we'll we'll keep that a mystery what Bridges is until we get to the end of this. I assure you it is a very clever pun. It's it's not bad as far as, far as puns go. As puns go, of course. Yeah. So yeah, the city of lost children. Um Yeah, a, an old favorite of mine from high school. Oh yeah, you watched it in your uh, film lit class, I believe. Yeah, and I I just fell in love with it. It was uh, just awesome. I love the the atmosphere, I love the characters, I love the story. Um, yeah, I should have taken that same class in high school. I know several people who did. Uh, my brother did, my girlfriend did <laughs> at the time, and uh, I for some reason I never squeezed it in. But um, there, another good movie that that you guys watched for that was um, Harold and Maude. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a great one. Mm-hmm. Watch a lot of great ones, Seven Samurai. But yeah, uh, the City of Lost Children. The it's such a it's so cool. I, I, I kind of I dig steampunk esque art. You know, kind of that Art Deco, a lot of copper and um, greens and browns and uh, very murky just looking. Yeah, it's got that like eighteen hundreds. Um victorian yeah like the dawn of like 
industry and technology and that kind of thing. Yeah. Big bulky copper. Wild wild west. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Objects and and yeah, and there's some gothic architecture and yeah, there's a lot of that steampunk influence, I think. Yeah. So yeah, the movie's about Ron Perlman. He's a um he's like what a carnival strongman. He's uh, part of the I don't know if it's the sideshow probably the more appropriate term than instead of a freak show but um his somebody he calls his little brother i don't we i don't think it's ever said whether it's really his oh i never even, or not. I even thought about that but yeah he, he might not actually be his real but brother. his little brother gets kidnapped and the movie is about him getting him back and he gets kidnapped by the scientist named cronk and cronk uh is stealing children so that he can do experiments with their dreams and he does that by hooking their hooking both of them up to like a contraption oh right like yeah he tries to influence like what they're dreaming about because he can't dream that's right yeah yeah yeah. yeah. and so he's trying to get dreams back basically i don't know if he ever dreamed but i don't know i don't think he does i think that when the brain goes through that whole like uh story like a folklore parable type thing that is supposed to be like it sound like a parable, but it's actually the real story of what happened. Oh, right. It's like, yeah, he goes through and he explains how the guy. Oh, and this is like the, an actual brain in a, <laughs> a, uh, a literal, tank of water. Yeah, a literal a brain in a vat. Yeah, and it's it talks. Um, it's like a brilliant scientist. Yeah. Um it's that's a cool character actually because the whole like brains and vats thing is right. kind of a like a, a debate at this point yeah like in in philosophy it's kind of like a a um a device that's used in like epistemology and that kind of thing so but yeah he's he's very uh he's very smart alecky and he's uh he's one of the heroes in the movie yeah the brain and the vat um but it's uh so there's all these clones and so what basically had happened was just to give a little background um, on what on this insane like experiment thing that's going on in the movie with this evil guy, um, he the brain like tells the story and it's actually a nice scene because he kind of uh, takes Kronk through like the history and gets him to his history. Kronk's yeah, history. Yeah, yeah. And because uh, he's trying to convince him, he's like kind of the voice of reason, convincing him not to do all do this to these kids and and try and take their dreams and make them have nightmares and you know, just the general kidnapping. Um, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of Santa, Santa related nightmares. This guy causes. Yeah. <laughs> it's got some kind of weird fetish with Santa. Yeah. Something going on with that. And so, but anyway, the, apparently what had happened is this guy wanted to uh, create life. Um, mm-hmm. And so weird that we're kind of tying it into Frankenstein unintentionally. Yeah. But uh, so he creates um, a, actually the the brain or the the clones were his first attempt right the actual clones of himself or was it the brain i'm pretty sure it was the clones yeah so yeah so he clones himself and then he tries to create and he it, it comes out as this like kind of mentally challenged um product that is that that doesn't well do they dream yeah, which one's the clones yeah the clones yeah, I think they dream because yeah, because he he steals their dreams at one point, doesn't he? Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, so he he creates these clones, and uh, 
but they're not, you know, in- intelligent like him. And then he creates the intelligent brain. And the clones are played by one guy, obviously. Right, yeah. It's, like, it's one guy copied over and over again, and it's a great performance. Um, yeah, I do have to give credit to him for... Really slapsticky performance. Just, yeah, D- uh, Dominic, Dominique Pignon, I think is his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. French actor. Very good. I think yeah. he's French. I'm, sure, I'm assuming he's French. Yeah, he... Uh, he definitely kills it. He, there's a lot of, um, you know, him just being, being like the smart version of himself and also being the many clones. He had to do all those performances and right. they were, um, they have this, you know, they're very like over the top and emotional and, yeah. uh, kind of like all those like villain Hormonal. characters are. Yeah. 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 And this movie, it's like, we haven't really kind of talked about what the kind of movie it is. It's not really, it, it's science fiction for sure, but it's more of an art film than anything. Right. Um, it's not horror. It's not scary. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> or, there's some weird stuff in it. Right. But it's not necessarily a horror. It's gothic, but. Yeah, it's more like an event, like a buddy adventure film. Ron Perlman and this little, this little girl team up to basically get his little brother back. Mm hmm. Yeah, because Kronk and we, I, I didn't uh, quite finish my uh, story there. The Kronk is the was his next attempt after the brain. Oh yeah, yeah. and so he made like this really intelligent guy, but he can't dream, mm-hmm. and so he became this villain. And he, oh, he also created the the wife of the of Kronk, which is that short lady. Um, so anyway, these are the that's kind of the cast of villain, very colorful cast of villain characters. Yeah. Um, and so the uh, like you said the um. The little brother Denray is his the character's name mm-hmm. is kidnapped and it sets off this whole weird journey. And, uh, but the setting, uh, for a lot of it is this, well, it's the city of lost children. It's this, right. um, it's like a city with ch- like urchins, you know, street urchins. Yeah. Dickensian orphans. And, right. Yeah. And there's this, uh, orphanage run by the, another villain the movie has a lot of villains and that's something that we'll get into a little more later. Um, but yeah, it's got like, are they, they're, a, uh, they're like a Siamese twin pair, but they're connected yeah, the at the octopus. Yeah. They're connected at the foot. <laughs> yeah. And there's a little bit of like a freak show element to this movie because you know, the main character is a strong man and then there's the, the Siamese twin and then there's the, the lady. Um, I think her name is Bismuth, the, the white Kronk, Kronk's wife. And she's a, like a small person. Yeah person <clears throat> right and so that's a, a major aspect of the film too but there's there's all these there's this kind of wacky um little slightly wes anderson and wes andersonian um caper kind of element at, at some points where yeah. they're doing weird things like putting giving a you know putting like a, a magnet on a mouse's tail and having it go yeah <laughs> a lot of rube, a lot of rube goldberg situations going on in this one yeah there's like there's all these all this um there's several like moments of happenstance <laughs> yeah de- deus ex machina kind of yeah. moments that are made tolerable by the fact that they're, that they're charming so ridiculous yeah. and funny yeah and you just have to really see it i mean there's one that starts out with like a a teardrop yeah so it's like <laughs> Ron Perlman gets okay. So the octopus eventually, the, the octopus, the the conjoined twins, they hire the street urchins to uh, steal a safe. Is it? Mm-hmm. And um, Ron Perlman 
somehow gets in the middle of it and they end up accidentally dropping the safe in the ocean. So the octopus gets mad and hires a hitman to try to kill Ron Perlman. And the way they try to do that is they hire this hitman named Marcello and he, uh, he trains fleas to attack. They're basically flea assassins and he loads (laughs) up their, their, uh, I don't know what you call that on a flea. Just like they're, you know, they're bited. Mandible? They're mandibles. And they rig up like like an injector of like um, this potion that makes the person who injected with it super aggressive. Right. So they uh, give it to Ron Perlman. He starts choking Miette, the little girl that's mm-hmm. basically his partner throughout the, the movie. And... He starts strangling her and she starts crying and the tear sets off. Right. It eventually ends up with like a ship crashing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And causing him to stop strangling her. Right. It was, you know, <laughs> it's brilliantly conceived. Yeah. It was an interesting moment um, that where it's not somebody like heroically stopping something that's going on. It's just extremely random. Right. I thought that was kind of an interesting there's maybe some subtext there um, to that with um, just the randomness of life. So that, that was kind of interesting. So right from the, right off the bat in this film, you know that you're going to be in kind of a fantasy world. Yeah. That's not what's happening. Isn't really real. It's kind of all meant to be. Yeah. Cause it starts off with right in that side that one of uh, Kronk's Santa nightmares that he's giving one of these children. Yeah, and there's this incredibly like idyllic, you know, snowman, and like there's uh, this camera pans and, and zooms like into the house, yeah. like you're inside the house, and there's like the Christmas tree, and it's very, uh, very like, you know, the kind of uh, Christmas morning that you would have, you know, dreamed of as a kid, and you know Santa coming down the chimney, which that right there starts to be a little bit creepy. Right. <laughs> but then it gets way more creepy because all these more Santas come down the, the <laughs> chimney. And so that's the kind of dozens and dozens of Santas. Right. Right off the bat in this film, you get a sense of, of what you're in for. Yeah. It's, uh, it's surreal. It's definitely when you said Wes Anderson or and Andersonian, um, <laughs> it's not only Andersonian and it's caper and it's kind of like cutesiness, but it's also, in its artfulness too. Um, because this is a brilliantly directed movie, I think the, these guys made this movie called delicatessen, which is also great. Yeah. They talk about some time. It's a director pair, uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet and Mark Caro. Or yeah. Something like that. Yeah. They're uh, Caro Jeunet. They're, um, fantastic directors and delicatessen's a, another fantastic movie. And they, they did made, I think it was before this one. Yeah, it was. Um, that was their first one. Okay. Um, and they also made Amelie, which oh, yeah, yeah. is, um, has been a really just a, I've only heard good things about it. I've been meaning to watch it. it. Haven't gotten around to it yet. Apparently it was huge in France. So yeah, it, it's their, their style is very, um, very rich and yeah. intentional and, um, it really, it's the way that the all movie review describes it is manipulative, which I thought was yeah. interesting. Kind of like a Tim Burton. Tim Burton, movie. yeah, definitely is an influence, and uh, the Coen Brothers. Because um, if you think of like a movie like uh, Barton Fink, you know, there's all these kind of like 
close-ups of things or like zooming yeah. in on things mm-hmm. um or even in their first movie blood simple um right. and it's kind of a it's kind of a, a thread like even the big Lebowski, like you you're in like one of his dreams where he's like following the bowling ball going down the yeah the the lane or whatever that kind of thing where the you the camera really gets you in there yeah there's that bit of that going on in this movie and you when we got done watching it you seemed a little i don't know like you weren't that big of a fan yeah it, it didn't bring me in a hundred percent um you know and and there were definitely some good things about it um but it just uh you know we'll, we'll get it more into overall impressions and more specific things later but um yeah just at this point um just kind of looking at it on the whole i felt there was there were too many plot details mm. in in the two hours it actually felt it was a little over two hours but it actually felt like a longer movie to me and um it, it has this breakneck pace um but it's still there's just so much going on you, you it's like you don't you never get a chance to really appreciate well i guess there's there are some times where you do there's like a, a kind of a poignant moment between one and miet mm-hmm. um ron perlman's character and um the main um girl in the movie uh, played by judith vite um, that they do have like a nice moment where they're kind of comforting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I feel like the, I, I didn't get a chance to really drink in the considerable like style that was being thrown at me. You right. know, um, I thought the whole like Borg <laughs> subplot was unnecessary. Oh, the Cyclops. Yeah. Those Borgish oh, yeah. So type they, characters. We didn't mention them. They, they have these uh, Cyclops, which are the, the kidnappers basically. They're the one that kid. They're basically Kronk's henchmen, and they are, they're the ones responsible for kidnapping children. In return, Kronk gives them he gives them like bionic eyes and uh, like ears, I guess, or they give up sight for bionic ears. I think they can see from like sonic frequencies in one eye or something. Right. But yeah, I mean, I I, I get where you're coming from with the too many plot details. I thought the. I thought it there might have been too many details, but it's such a a simple plot in its in its essence, you know, getting back the the little brother that was stolen from you. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. The essence of it is simple, and um, so I think I just think that gives it more room for kind of more out there ideas when it's so stri- straightforward like that. Right. Um, I just got a, a sense that there were too many ideas i mean it's got i i really think that it's one of those situations where i feel like it's a bit of a wasted opportunity i don't want to say wasted opportunity that sounds too harsh but it's as if they just had they wanted to cram as many ideas into it as they could and it, they weren't necessarily all necessary like for me like like i said especially the whole board the the Cyclops. henchmen people the cyclops is out there called um those those guys that whole subplot i felt like it didn't add anything um and it added it actually i guess in some ways it, it made the film a little more disturbing because like there's the scene where the guy like takes the knife to the other guy's eye yeah i was just thinking about that that so basically what happens is that hitman with the fleas he injects one of the right. cyclops with uh the that potion and it turns one of the henchmen against the other ones and he starts killing them and one he unplugs his headset or what he uses to see and plugs it in to 
the guy he's killing socket in his head or whatever so that that guy can see the other guy killing him <laughs> which is amazing <laughs> yeah it was i i thought that was clever as heck yeah uh, it was kind of funny um and more messed up than you would expect for right. a movie like this which is like you know kind of a dark fantasy about kids basically yeah this remind this movie reminds me of pan's labyrinth in that sense it's kind of like it feels like a kid's movie, um, like a, a fab, like a fairy tale, but it's yeah. twisted. It does have that kind of like fable fairy tale kind of feel where right. there's like, you know, Hansel and Gretel type deal yeah. very much. Um, and it's like a steampunk fairy tale. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a good way of putting it. And there's definitely, yeah. I mean, title. <laughs> steampunk fairy tale, <laughs> perhaps. So, yeah, it, it is interesting how, um, I mean, definitely Del Toro took some influence from it, took some cues from it in some of his movies because he has that like, well, in Pan's Labyrinth, of course, you know, there's that girl who stars in it who kind of looks like Miet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there's that. I think it's safe to say Del Toro saw The City of Lost Children. And he's probably it. seen, yeah, this movie. And I would venture to say he's probably a big fan of these guys. Yeah, it's even been said that Amelie influenced uh, The Shape of Water, which is another one of the greatest movies of 2018. That's such an amazing movie. So good. Um, Would like to do that eventually. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, um, there's a lot of interesting influences and a lot of uh, people that they influenced. It kind of, it goes both ways with this movie. And, um, yeah, and another big touchstone, I think, is um, actually Terry Gilliam. I think there's uh, mm, yeah, some yeah, of his yeah, yeah. like dark fantasy influence, um, you know, like f- from films like uh, Time Bandits and yeah. the Adventures of Baron Munchausen and Brazil. Like, there's a little bit of that dystopian future oh, yeah, vision sure. from Brazil. So as you can see, I mean, they really do bring in a lot of great, you know, ideas and influences. Oh, another another director that I think they inf- influenced actually was um, Miyazaki, the studio. Ghibli guy or Ghibli or whatever. Oh, okay. He did a uh, Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle and stuff like that. The whole the the like villains uh, hideout or whatever in this movie uh, that's on like these beams, steel beams or whatever like in the water. It's like an oil rig. Kind of almost. Yeah, it looks sort of like an oil rig. Yeah, yeah. That kind of reminded me of the Moving Castle and Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, okay. And uh, so yeah, I think there's it's it's just yeah like it's, it's very interesting aesthetically there's a lot going on right. and actually there's really good cg for 1995 yeah because the whole like thing with the flea like they zoom in close on yeah, what's yeah. going on like him like stabbing his little mandible into the scalp yeah. for a little art film back then that was pretty good yeah it's impressive yeah and um yeah like i said it's um in some ways um i don't want to say it's style over substance necessarily but i do think like i said the the i guess what it comes back to is that it's overstuffed for me Hmm. it feels like a very overstuffed film well uh, you're wrong (laughs) so just just get used to that you are dead wrong sir dead wrong (laughs) that's not an argument but Okay, move on. <laughs> no, but no, I, I mean, I already made my counter argument. I just think that because it's so straightforward, because it's a f- fairy tale, essentially, 
that it can just get away with so many incidental things because there's really not much to pay attention to other than he's got to get his little brother back and these guys are villains i mean there 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 is kind of like that storyline the clones are trying to figure out who the who created them who was the scientist that created them um who was the or no who was the original yeah yeah who was the original clone who was the first one turns out the original has been just like hiding out in some sort of underwater um lair yeah he doesn't even know about the other ones yeah using his um his old-timey diving suit to retrieve things right no he he knows about because he lives underneath them right near the uh or no he actually doesn't even live near the right facility that's right yeah he lives like yeah completely different well i think i don't know if it's away from the facility but i don't think he knows about them because he's just in his own well he is the originator he created the clones no he was the first clone oh i thought he was the or not uh, the first clone but he was the first he was what the copy was made from the copies were made from that's what they were trying to oh so he wasn't the actual original scientist or whatever he was just the first i think okay that could be the case too right i mean i kind of got the impression that he was the actual scientist because of the way the movie ends where he is like blowing himself up oh yeah he is the original scientist that's right uh, yeah i'm sorry so yeah that's because he he, at the end he decides that he has to destroy what he created right um so he straps himself with like time bombs and stuff regrets it at the last second regrets at the last second and then a bird (laughs) lands on the plunger of the detonator and blows it up but he's 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 um colorfully mad at that point so yeah um yeah, yeah, that's right. That's and actually, right. I I thought the film ended kind of abruptly. So that was another thing I didn't really like. Oh, about it. I I do agree that with that. It's there was no denouement. As soon as the place blows up, it's over. Right. Almost literally. I mean, <laughs> it's that sudden. It really is. Yeah. The place blows up. Boom! It's over. Which I mean, I guess that works. But it would have been nice to see kind of a more of a like you said, a denouement <laughs> of uh, a, a denouement, a denouement <laughs> um, that kind of just wraps up this, the, you know, the little brother one story and Miet and, you know, what happened to those, to those characters now. Right. And it is, um, yeah, and I think that is a common problem with, with films, especially, I don't know, I think more like kid, kid aimed films in some ways, like, they're they don't really want to dwell on that kind of stuff as much like they kind of wanted to just be all of the the fun stuff and then they're just kind of like yeah let's just be done with that they can just assume whatever they want about yeah honestly i just if if it almost feels like a mistake when we're watching it it's just that yeah it really is it really is that abrupt and i don't know it just it's it's an odd choice for an ending for such a movie that for a movie that i love so much that ending mm-hmm. is inexcusable. Yeah. Um, and I do think there are like, there are threads that they kind of drop like some of the other kids. Um, like she kind of like Miet kind of has a feud with them. I don't remember exactly what right. for. And she just is like, eh, you guys get out of here. And then that's just not really, I feel like that wasn't really resolved. Right. Um, because you like her as a character, but that moment doesn't make you like her. Yeah. And so it's a little weird. And yeah. And, and it's, it's funny how Ron Perlman is like this massive, like mountain of a man and yet he's um like supposed to he's clearly supposed to be a lot younger in the movie like he's supposed to be like just maybe 
I don't know, like a late teenager even maybe, or maybe yeah. like early twenties or something, but cause they give him like this hair, this very like boyish hairstyle. Yeah. And he's got red hair. You think, um, Guillermo del Toro discovered Ron Perlman from this movie for uh Hellboy? That would be, that's probably, that's very possible. It'd be funny if that was, yeah. Cause I think the first Hellboy movie came out in like 2004 or something like that. Yeah. Um, Hellboy movies are awesome too. Yes, they are. Some of the best uh, superhero movies ever made. I would love for them to make a third one, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, those movies have kind of a City of Lost Children steampunk kind of thing going on. A little too. bit, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a Lovecraftian horror type thing, you know. Yeah, if nothing else, I'm glad that you showed me this movie because. Um, I love this kind of stuff because yeah. I mean I've I've said before Del Toro is one of my favorite actor or uh, one of my favorite directors and you know just knowing that being able to kind of discover this movie that influenced him a lot I assume even though he, I don't know yeah. if he's actually talked about it publicly but yeah I mean it might be one of his kind of like secret weapons like right. maybe because a lot of people probably don't know about it I mean it's you know like we said it was it's relatively obscure yeah it was a it was a con film festival um, darling but you know as far as wide really i mean it only made i, I saw i uh, saw the, the figure somewhere i don't remember exactly where i saw it but it didn't make much in the united states it made like lower than its budget hmm. um and it wasn't super high budget i want to say it was like 20 million or something but um there's a lot of style and um just weird interesting tangents here's <laughs> a here's an interesting thing i just looked up Jean-Pierre Genoux, one of the directors, uh, Genoux and Caro, accuses Del Toro of copying Delicatessen dance scene in The Shape of Water. Oh, interesting. There's some uh, Genoux-Del uh, Toro feuds going on, some beef. East Coast, West Coast. <laughs> A little more gentlemanly than that, hopefully. Um, yeah, I don't know. If, uh, another influence that I, I thought um, was probably relevant was The Labyrinth. Yeah, with the just kind of the dark fantasy whole thing. When, I mean, well, I mean, stealing, even her brother, children, yeah, her brother even was right. taken. Yeah, I mean, it's it does it definitely seems like a touchstone, as far as the you know the the fantastical. I mean, in the labyrinth, it has a very different tone because you actually kind of like Jareth. Yeah, but um, and that's another thing about this movie is that there's so many villains. It's a little right. over. It's lopsided. I mean, well, I guess in a sense, it it adds to the the triumph of the the heroes but at the same time it's just like i said it's overcomplicated right i mean i don't know if it's overcomplicated to me i just find i mean there's one main villain it's kronk the other one right. people are just kind of associates it didn't really overwhelm me with the villain selection um it just it, the villains i think have too much going on i think the I think the crux of your issue with the movie is that too much time too, too much time is spent kind of equally between the heroes and mm. the villains. Yeah. That's we, a good way of putting it. They, they, they everybody has something going on. Everybody mm. has a story. There's there's subplots within subplots in this right, movie. <laughs> right. Everybody's got something going on. They're all they've all got their own arcs, you know, they're all leading to something. Um and they're all looking for something, which, you know, every good character should do. Um, but yeah, I mean at what point right you know the narrative style kind of reminds me of the pirates of the caribbean like especially the second and third one actually there's some of that even in the first one a little bit of overcomplicatedness. oh yeah, yeah you know um 
just too much too much too many plot subplots it gets real bad yeah, by the Carib- third one but oh, caribbean <laughs> movies man oh. i i told the story before yeah <laughs> that i reviewed that movie i think it was the third one and i i wrote like basically that that was just way too much going on for uh, a, a disney movie about pirates <laughs> yeah. um and yeah it was just those movies are kind of ridiculous so um let's uh let's wrap up our oh yeah so discussion portion and do a little review yeah, yeah let's just do a couple a little so bit get, of re- so we can rev- get to our uh game let's review bridges. yeah let's review some reviews so um we, on rotten tomatoes we've got a score of 90 for audiences wow yeah that's really i'm kind of surprised at that i'm wondering if it's because the people that watch this movie are looking for this kind of movie that's actually yeah there's not a lot of people just stumbling into watching this yeah it's got over sixty-five thousand ratings but i'm not sure if that's i'm not sure how typical that is that's that's crazy is that a lot it seems like it would be a lot for the the sixty-five thousand user ratings yeah, that is quite a. That's a lot more than I thought it would be for ninety percent. Yeah, um, that's impressive. But yeah, yeah, I think it has a lot to do with just people that watch this movie it's know beca- what they're getting into and are going to end up liking it. It's an influential cult classic, right? So and yeah, it's a director's movie. You know, it's a, this is a, and this is a weird instance of an art film that has a higher audience score than it does. Uh, right, a critic Crit- score. Critic score is eighty percent. So, um. Yeah, so let's let's look, let's jump into some of these reviews here. Joy uh, Boyar of the Orlando Sentinel says the city of lost children gets so caught up in its own weirdness that it all but shuts out the viewer. Yeah, I actually think that's a pretty fair criticism. I don't. <laughs> you don't think it shuts out the viewer? No. And that's all I got to say about that. All right, next one. Set in a wondrously seedy waterfront world. Oh, this is Michael Wilmington at the Chicago Tribune. Set in a wondrously seedy waterfront world, populated with runaway children and grotesque, sinister adults. It glistens with dense fantasies, technological feats that make the catchphrase state-of-the-art seem antique. Hmm. Mm. Oh, my. Yeah, for 1995, he's got that right. Um, The technology is, is surprising. And... It uh, it's definitely a dense film. That that was a good word to use. See Stephen Holden of the New York Times. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that paper. Um, watching the film is like leafing through a giant sketchbook crammed with intriguing ideas that can't all be comfortably fitted into the same master plan. <laughs> I don't know if I would give it a negative review necessarily i've been pointing out some negatives just to kind of balance things out but um but yeah a lot of the a lot of the the little crit- critical blurbs here i think are actually fair criticisms i don't think that anybody is really being uh too harsh on it mike clark of the usa today usa today is on a nickname basis with this movie says children hasn't <laughs> enough of a human dimension to be fun itself but it's still warped enough to amuse anyone with a tilted frame of mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually, about accurate. Um, that's a good overall description. And you can kind of see that as being almost a positive review, yeah. actually, even though it's technically a, 
a rotten review. Let's look at some uh, users, see what the users have to say. I, I, I'm really un- only interested in hearing what the negative user reviews right, yeah. have to say about Those this. Those are always a little bit juicier, aren't they? They are. Well, half star, F, did oh. not finish <laughs> watching. That's what the F stands for. <laughs> Weird French piece of crap that didn't make sense. Only got one third of the way through before calling BS. It sounds like uh, it sounds like somebody stumbled across this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds like one of those people that was not looking, you know, searching for this film. <laughs> the other movie I I forgot to talk about that reminded me of this movie is Hook. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, Kronk is kind of uh, a Hookian, Hookian, char- Hookian character. Um, in that he loves to steal children and. Yeah, yeah, it does have. A little bit of that going on. It's yeah. a little swashbuckly. Right, right. Water. There's a lot of water. It's like a water town. A sea, a sea town. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that one's one. written in French, so oh, I can't yeah. read that one. No, Santa. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nah, let's, uh, let's not insult the, the French. <laughs> yeah, they've been insulted enough. Creative and dreamlike, but the story is not fluid and does not keep your attention. I actually think the film keeps your attention, but the plot itself mm. is easy to the main. It's easy to lose the main thread of the I think plot. That's what he's saying. The which is story actually does not keep your attention. Right. You are agreeing with this man, and you're acting like you disagreeing with him. Man, I haven't ever agreed with so many of the negative uh, comments on a movie, and that's funny because I actually would give this a positive rating. What would be your rating, Rob? Out of a possible ten lost children. <laughs> I would give it. I was a, supposed to be a drum roll, but it just kind of sounds like our opening music. Um, <laughs> it sounded like a film reel, definitely. I would give it an eight. Give it an eight, huh? Yeah. So you're a little, a little better than IMDb on this one. They're uh, seven point six. I, well, yeah. I'm. I I love this movie. I think it's great, but it does have issues. I'm not too in disagreement with you um on on that front i think some of the things you take issue with aren't as big of a deal in my my opinion but i'm the ending really kind of bumps it down at least a point right for me because it's just it's kind of insulting (laughs) that Mm -hmm. ending yeah and i yeah and another thing about it is that some people might be put off by the kind of cartoonishness of everything. Right. I'm not, I like animation. By the way, these guys were animators originally. Oh, okay. I read that on uh, somewhere on all movie. So you can definitely see that influence of, of how, you know, I mean, so much of so many of those scenes, like Looney Tune, right? So many of these scenes could have been, you could easily imagine them being animated scenes. Right. I, I have mixed feelings when they try to use an animation style in live action. I don't know. I don't think it always works. Hmm. So, um, what what would you give it out of ten? Oh, right, <laughs> man, it, it's kind of hard for me because I want to give it a better rating, um, but it's hard for me to go above a six point five hmm. because I just I didn't, except for like a couple moments, I didn't really connect with it. I just felt like it was um, a bunch of very stylized stuff and some cleverness. But it was just a lot of stuff kind of being thrown at me, um, some of which I, I grabbed onto and some of which didn't. I didn't. 
Okay. So, so uh, should we, shall we move on to our our brand new spanking new game new called Bridges? <laughs> yes, Rob. Let's uh, let's get into Bridges. So, Bridges for all of the those that aren't in the the know. Everybody is, besides Rob and I is basically <laughs> the sixty degrees of seven ba- Kevin Bacon. I almost said seven bacon, six degrees of seven bacon, uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's with Jeff Bridges. So we're trying to bridge certain actors to back to Jeff Bridges within or anybody in film within six, six people. So, um, Jeremiah and I have both come up with a few actors, um, or directors. Yeah. Like you said, anybody in film. And some of them are going to be familiar from our past discussions. And, um, and again, we're going to get points, and we don't know what the points are for, but we're keeping uh, track. We have the official Reel on Reels game ledger right here in the studio. Please, no no autographs, no you pictures. Can probably, probably hear me opening it. The ledger does not sign autographs, much like we don't. So, yeah, um, you can follow the uh, Reel on Reels official ledger uh, on Twitter at reel on reels ledge <laughs> and it's not going to be a thing but we do have you can follow us on twitter at reel on reels and our ledger at reel on reels ledge <laughs> if you i mean he's got a lot of stuff to say he's got a lot of he's got a lot of stories to tell that book <laughs> do we have to create a twitter account for our ledger now no um okay <laughs> we might cut out this whole segment <laughs> We're just kidding. Um, you know what I call our uh, official Real Unreal's game ledger? What do you call it? Heath. Heath Ledger. Uh, okay. You know why I call it's it that? has got to get at least one groaner per episode, I suppose. You know why I call it that? Why do you call it that, Rob? Because Ledger is Heath Ledger's last name. And then he just took it to another level of awfulness. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, right here in my little graph paper book... It says super official scores. So that's how you know they're super official. And they will be recorded. So let's play this game, Rob. Yes. Okay, so the way this is going to work is we're each going to have one minute to come up with six films. or I'm sorry, six bridges to connect our various actors and directors to Jeff Bridges. Um, Obviously, we're going to have a few here, so we're not going to wait a minute every time. Um, if one of us goes over the time limit, I'll just go, eh. <laughs> and that person obviously did not get their point. So my first actor for you, Jeremiah, is Gene Wilder. Ooh, Gene Wilder of Young Frankenstein. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Gene Wilder was in Young Frankenstein with Terry Garr, who was in Mom and, Ta- Mom and Dad Save the World with Jeffrey Jones who was in Beetlejuice, which was directed by Tim Burton, who um, uh, damn it. All right, so Jeremiah did not get it within the minute. Um, obviously, that was not a minute because we cut that out, so you weren't bored to tears with Jeremiah not being able to answer his question and not being able to get his point. Right, Jeremiah? That's right, Rob. Thanks, Jeremiah. <laughs> um, okay, so who's your 
first for me. All right, Rob, you are going to have to connect Ron Perlman to Jeff Bridges. Ron Perlman of City of Lost Children. That is correct. That's the movie we're talking about. That is correct. And he starred in this movie. That is correct. Okay, here we go. Ron Perlman was in the film Drive, starring Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling was in the film La La Land, starring Emma Stone. Emma Stone was in Superbad, starring, or not starring, but with, um, (coughs) yep, I did not get one either, that was hard. Yeah, tough one. All right, hit me, Rob. All right, so my next one for you is Peter Boyle. Ew, Peter Boyle. Might be a little tough. Okay, Peter Boyle was in Taxi Driver, and that uh, he was he starred with uh, Robert De Niro. Well, he wasn't a star, but he was in it with Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro was a star. Robert De Niro. And really, <laughs> wow! Doing so bad. <laughs> they were both not getting anything. This game may be ill-conceived. <laughs> we just might not be giving us enough ourselves enough time. What's your next one for me? All right, Rob. I'm going to hit you with Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman did the score for Edward Scissorhands. That has Winona Ryder in it. Winona Ryder was in Mr. Deeds with Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi was in Big Lebowski with Jeff Bridges. Nice. Three connections. Ding, 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 ding. ding. We have a point, which is going down in our super official scorebook. So, yeah, I guess a minute is not too long because that was still challenging. But I did it in like 45 seconds, so... I mean, it's probably good. Maybe next time we bump it up to a minute and a half. Yeah, maybe. Okay, uh, my next one for you. All right. Is a wild card. Ooh. Brad Pitt. Oh, Brad Pitt. Can I bridge Brad Pitt to Jeff Bridges. All right. So, Brad Pitt was in Inglorious Bastards. All right. So no more points for Jeremiah so far. Now you have one more, don't you? Yep. All right. Rob, you're going to have to connect Peter Jackson to Jeff Bridges in, in Six Bridges. Okay. Peter Jackson directed... King Kong starring Jack Black. Jack Black was in Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. 
Ben Stiller was also in that movie. Um, Ben Stiller was in Mystery Men. Yep. All right, so my last one for you. All right, hit me. Guillermo del Toro. All right, one of my favorite directors. Nice. Okay. Six Bridges to Jeff Bridges. <laughs> All right, Guillermo del Toro directed Hellboy with Ron Perlman, who was in Pacific Rim. And Charlie Day was in Pacific Rim. He was also in Horrible Bosses. And Kevin Spacey was with Jeff Bridges and K-Pax. Nice. Yeah. I'm on All the right. board. Nice. You got a, <laughs> you got a poot. So we both get poots. Jeremy got his poot in the final hour. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, that was not a great segment, great segment for me, but uh, I'll get better. Yeah. It's a good uh, it's a good workout, mental workout. Yeah. Try to test your test your knowledge. Jeff Bridges is a good one to do it with because he's in a lot of movies, but not like Samuel L. Jackson, but you know a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, do you have anything else you would like to talk about, Jeremiah? Oh, what is what is our final? What's our uh, current point tally? It looks like uh, overall. He's consulting the the ledger, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. At Real on Reels Ledge. That's not a thing. Um, yes, our official uh, ledger notebook. All right, so Rob looks like you've got eight points tallied up. Sweet. And I've got a cool seven. That's less than eight. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct, Rob. Thanks. Your counting has gotten quite excellent. What can I say? <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this show today. Yes. And <laughs> maybe learned a little something. Maybe had a couple of laughs. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, maybe you really just learned the meaning of life in this episode. I mean, that's all we can really ask for is that you develop an entire life philosophy on the basis of our film opinions. Yeah, because what's going to happen is we, the ultimate plan here is, I mean, we'll just get this out of the way. <laughs> Enough smoke and mirrors. We're trying to start a cult. <laughs> and the more of uh, more of you guys that just blindly follow whatever we say and just defend us at every step, the more we can give back to the community at large. And um, some people might have to I don't know, be the sacrificial lambs, if you will. Um, but, you know, that's just... Martyrs, heroes. Yeah. You might have to drink the Kool-Aid, if you will. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what other reason is there to start a podcast other than megalomania? Yeah, I'm starting uh, blood cults. Because Jeremiah and I are vampires that harvest blood. So our genius idea was to start a podcast and we'll eventually start getting guests in here and they'll uh they'll be donors of their blood to our teeth it's a it's a brilliant and diabolical plan so you can subscribe to us 
on Twitter at Real on Reels. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Real on Reels. And you can find us on anchor.com or no, anchor.fm slash. Anchor.fm or the Anchor app. Or the Anchor app or iTunes or uh, Actually, not, <laughs> not yet, but by the time you're listening to this in like four years when it's been, when it's been archived by, uh, um, when it's been preserved for its um, cultural relevance and. Four years, I'm thinking maybe more like 400. Anyway, uh, we're not on iTunes yet, so uh, but we are on Spotify. We are on yes. Google Podcasts. We yep. are on Pocket Casts. We're on everywhere you can listen to podcasts except the biggest one. So, um, <laughs> Stitcher is another one that we're on. Oh yeah, we're on Stitcher. We're on. Uh... Yeah, if you go to um, our Anchor.fm uh, profile, which is just Real on Reels, Anchor Anchor.fm slash Real on Reels, or just uh, search for us in the Anchor app. Um, we, you can actually just get to the other podcatchers that way too. Yeah. You can see what, what we're available on. So right now we're on, uh, anchor, uh, we're on Google podcasts, radio, public stitcher, breaker, Pod- pocket cast and Spotify. And we'll be working on getting, um, connected to the most widely used platform, um, <laughs> at some point and graduate to the big leagues one of these days. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You could also email us if you have any suggestions or death threats or uh, anything you want to say to us. We're, we're open for it. Um, freedom of speech and all that. Uh, we're at... Topical humor. Real on Reels official at gmail.com. That is correct, Rob. You can also message us on Facebook or DM us on Twitter. Um, just any... Uh, just write us, people. I mean, we're listening. We're reading. If you want to, you know, if you need some life advice, we'll we'll do our best. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll start doing like a a dear Abby type segment on the show. Yeah, we'll call it Dear Abby Normal. <sighs> another another one of Rob's puns that I wish I had come up with. <laughs> All right, so this has been real on, on reels. reels.